It's time to take a ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith. Welcome to another edition of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That is Alan Saunders joining us as he does weekly. Chris Carter, what is going on, fellas? What's up, guys? Yeah, I say weekly, but you weren't on here last week. So welcome yeah. back to the show. Hey, Carter. Thanksgiving stuff fun. gets in the way, man. Holidays. It's tough. It's tough. Yes. But understanding. Yeah. A man has like 14 and a half jobs, all right? This is very <laughs> true. I do have like about 14 give, and a half. Give, give him some slack here. Um, well, listen, we'll give Chris some slack. I'm hoping that the audience of this show can give me some slack. I want to get out in front of this and issue a public apology for yesterday. Uh, the post on the Steelers Now website for yesterday's show had the incorrect YouTube embed, so it had the previous day's show on it. Wanted to issue a public apology to everybody, get out in front of this thing, apologize to the team in front of everybody. Uh, I had a Deontay Johnson moment yesterday, and I promise that it won't happen again. That's good. I mean, this is this is what needs you know, accountability, and now we mm-hmm. can never talk about it again. So this is right. I, I think we're on the same page here. Which is how I'm 100% hoping the Deontay Johnson stuff goes as well. He talked today to the media, hoping that's the last that we hear of it. I'm, I'm sure, knowing Steelers fans, that it will be the last that we know of it, right? I mean, those guys, no and girls, never hold on to anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There was a guy I mentioned yesterday who was very mad at Deontay Johnson. Uh, and said, like, I've I've always hated Deontay Johnson since he didn't get lined up in time and made the Steelers take a penalty in the two-minute drill against the Dolphins in, I don't know, like 2021 or something. And I was like, that is old. That, that never happened. I was like, I don't know what your – I guess first he said 2022. And I was like, yeah, that, that, that wasn't a thing that happened. And then he said, no, it was 2021. I was like, they didn't play the Dolphins in 2020. Like, I, I was like – the guy's just like made up a reason to hate 19 or 22 were the two options. And, yeah. And like a fever dream or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, listen, I guess on the, on the scope of things, if you're going to be mad at Deontay Johnson for something that he actually did do, I suppose that is better than being mad at Deontay Johnson for something that you invented in your own mind. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, that's you gotta have a special type of hate to like have a dream where this happened and hate him for it. But um, so we actually much, gonna have. I don't know how much football and alcohol consumption go hand in hand here. I'm a, I'm, not, I'm not gonna I'm not saying I'm just saying. Okay, like I'm just you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that we should have an interesting discussion today, kind of going away from your traditional topics that we have on here in the day-to-day stuff of the Steelers. We mentioned yesterday, if people wanted it, we would talk about it. We brought Chris on here. We're going to talk about the Hall of Fame candidacies of James Harrison and Heinz Ward. But first and foremost, we do got to give a little bit of a rundown with some injury updates. You know, Kenny said he feels fine, and I'm sure everybody by now has seen the video of Minka Fitzpatrick back at practice. So... Where are we at with those two things? I was very skeptical about Mink coming back, but after watching this video, him back at practice, got to feel a little bit better that he was able to get in some work on a Wednesday. Yeah, Mon Adams told me he feels like he's good to go too. Um, so it seems like Adams and Fitzpatrick are back. Kenny said he's fine. Like it's just something that they're, they're just giving him some time off in practice maybe. And uh, the only, I think, question mark at this point is Calvin Austin. Not quite mm-hmm. sure uh, whether yeah. we're going to see him this week or not. Yeah. And Chris, I'll, I'll bring you into this and 
something that we've been asked about on here. We had as a topic on Monday, and then somebody really wanted us to dig in further on it yesterday, is Trenton Thompson. And how does he continue to find a role in this defense, even with Minka coming back? You know, is it just in that Keanu Neal role? I think specifically when you look at Arizona, this is a really good matchup for Trenton Thompson because they have an emerging tight end in Trey McBride that he can match up really well with. But what are your thoughts on Trenton Thompson going forward, even with Minka coming back in the fold? I, I like Trenton Thompson and what he's brought to the table. You know, there's been moments where he's kind of just been like, eh, and then you, there's definitely been some miscommunication breakdowns. I think he was part of the communication break, breakdown on the touchdown that they allowed to the tight end. But like, you know, he's also been, done so many communication non-breakdowns, like times where he's, you know, cor- correctly understood what the adjustment was, been part of disguising. And, and that's another thing I want to point out. The Steelers are disguising a whole lot. Like, I remember covering this team back when Artie Burns and like Cody Sensabaugh and Mike Mitchell was the secondary. And like Mm -hmm. what you saw was what you get like that defense. They were not able to like switch out of coverages and try to confuse you nearly as much week in and week out. It was basically like, Hey, either, either, either the quarterback's stupid and throws it to you guys or our pass rush wins. And that was kind of how the Steelers defense kind of, kind of won in the past game or Ryan Chase was just a freak of nature for a few years. Um, you know, so there's, you know, but nowadays with Terrell Austin, and I, I said this when, when they, when they made him the hire and a lot of people were complaining about him, like Terrell Austin, he's that DB's guy that's going to give you all of those, those, those changes, all those switch ups. It's not going, you're never going to recapture the 2008 defense. It's just the NFL isn't built for that. And I think that's where some Steelers fans are just like, oh man, this, de- this defense stinks. Meanwhile, they're giving up the fifth fewest points in the league, the Six fewest uh, rushing touchdowns, ten fewest passing touchdowns. They're top three in turnovers. Like they're, they're doing all the things, <laughs> and they've they've never played a single game without Minka Fitz, without with Minka Fitzpatrick, Cam Hayward, or T.J. Watt. All three start to finish being healthy in a game. If you had told me that it happened, I would say, uh, this defense is probably middling, and this team is not in a position to be in a playoff race unless the offense exploded. The offense has not exploded, and yet they are still doing just that. So um, mm-hmm. I, I think that. Part of what Trenton Thompson has done is fit into that formula, and that is not easy to do. That, that takes coordination, that takes practice, that takes understanding, um, and he's done it well. And I think that, that, that there's a there's a, there's testament due, due to him, but also due to Terrell Austin and to the Steelers staff for preparing him to be a part of that. So I think that as it stands, like you know, a guy like Shannon Sullivan, who actually I thought before the uh, the Bengals game, I thought he was actually starting to show some good signs here and there. Uh, his missed sack was kind of disappointing. You know, I with Minka Fitzpatrick back, I'd be considering can Trenton Thompson fit in some roles that Shannon Sullivan fills, especially when it comes to stopping the stuffing the run and blitzing the quarterback. Yeah, I like that a lot too. Um, Alan, anything also, else? To add? Also, I mean, just on that on that yeah. same on those same sort of statistical note, um, the Steelers' mm-hmm. defense is 11th in yards per play. Uh, the only reason their yardage totals stink is that the offense gives the other team the ball every fourth down and they are always on the field. Like they're, they're fine on a per play basis uh, on defense in terms of yardage. They're just on the field too much. So uh, yeah, I I think, I think people are underselling how good this defense is right now. Trent Thompson, obviously not some kind of huge part of it, but I think just sort of um, indicative of the things I've been able to do despite not having a lot of their, their top personnel. Right. Absolutely. And like, like Chris mentioned, you know, they're, they're, any Steelers defense is going to draw comparisons to the defenses of 2008. Let's talk about the biggest member of that defense of 2008, former defensive player of the year, James Harrison, up for the Hall of Fame. Um, 
you know, as Steelers fans, I think that we can obviously, you know, go with our hearts a lot of the time. So let's talk about these legitimate candidacies of James Harrison, Heinz Ward. We'll start with James Harrison just because of that segue that I just made and talk about this. I mean, you talk about a guy that really didn't break onto the scene as a full-time starter until he was like 29 years old. But that five-year run that he had at the top of his game, that run of dominance that he had, as good as anybody else. So, like, how do we, how do you evaluate James Harrison's career in totality and talk about his Hall of Fame candidacy? I mean, if I was, if I was to start, I'd say James Harrison was the best edge rusher in football for about half a decade. And Mm -hmm. that, I think that deserves some sort of credit for what the Hall of Fame should be. And like, like to me, when I think of Hall of Fame, you know, the classic question, you know, I don't just look at your stats. I look at like, can we talk about the NFL and the and the era that you played in without talking about you? You know what I'm saying? And yeah, like that's that's why like when people argue against Eli Manning because of stats or whatever, I'm like, look, that dude won two Super Bowls and is the only guy that like he beat Tom Brady twice. Like, I'm sorry, you know, his stats are good enough that if I throw that on top, I have to be able to talk about him in in, in and if I'm talking about that era of football, I'm talking about James Harrison. Like it, it's it's necessary. Sure. That guy dominated. That guy had one of the greatest plays in Super Bowl history, and he has what eighty five plus sacks is in his career. Um, you know he terrorized offenses for 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 many years. Uh, five time Pro Bowler, two time All Pro, a Defensive Player of the Year. On top of that, that, that's a Hall of Fame resume. Now, does he jump ahead of all, some of the other guys that are there? That's a, that's a more interesting question. But James Harrison should be in there. I, I think it'll take him some more tries before he definitely is in there but i i think that he is a hall of fame type player i think james harrison is the easier of these two to really talk about because james harrison was i agree not just the best defense edge rusher you can make a very good argument there was like a three or four year period where he was the best defensive player in all of football and the only real competition for that was his own safety like he was yes. that good, deservingly NFL Defensive Player of the Year, deservingly multi-time All-Pro. I understand that he did not have a long peak to his career. Like, he was not, you know, a, not like Larry Fitzgerald, but he was like this great player for 10, 12, 15 seasons. You know, he, his career had a long ramp up, and then he had this kind of tail where he wasn't really the same kind of guy towards the end. But he was too good in those times where he was good to ignore. Like, he, he was such a yeah. dominant player that, like, like Tony Baselli, who is in the Hall of Fame, who mm-hmm. has a similar kind of problem where he was great and it was only great for a short period. Then his career gets, gets cut off by injury. Like, I don't really think why that peak is short matters. Like, the peak is short. That's fine. That peak is notable. Like, teams spent about $500 million in free agency to try to find the next Tony Pacelli. He was the blueprint that every football team was looking for. He yep. was the archetype of what the pass, new passing NFL teams needed at tackle. You can say very similar things about James Harrison. In fact, I think James Harrison really changed the mold for what – like the athleticism of an edge rusher in the NFL compared to the pure size, comp, like size strength combination. Like he was a different mold than guys like uh, Bruce Smith, 
you know, um, like he wasn't that just big brute. He was small. He was undrafted for a reason. He was probably too small based on the, the, the sta- size standard of his position. But he changed the mold of what that position is to now we look at a guy like Micah Parsons, you know, he fits that same size mold that, that didn't exist really before James Harrison. And so I, I just think you can't ignore the guy's ability, his time at the top of the league, and not just his position, but among all defensive players. And I really don't think there are – you know, sometimes I think guys get, get pushed back in the Hall of Fame pecking order because there's these log jams, right? Either there are a lot of guys from the teams they were on or there are a lot of guys at their positions that end up mm-hmm. taking space in front of them. Well, Troy's already been in and has been in for a little while. Uh, Ben's got a couple years before he's on the table. I don't think there is that log jam for Harrison right now. And I think he compares favorably to the other edge rusher types that are out there right now. So I I think it's a very easy decision for me that not only should James Harrison be a Hall of Famer, but I think sooner rather than later. Like, I feel like this is one that we should expect to happen. I really liked what Chris said about, you know, can you talk about the lead when he was playing without talking about him? The answer is no. I mean, one of the most memorable moments in Super Bowl 43 (sighs) as well. I mean, you cannot talk about Super Bowls what everybody is playing for without thinking about that moment, that pick six, yep. James Harrison taking Kurt Warner back to the house. So to have that type of moment on type of on top of all the accolades, you know, defensive player of the year for all pros two times as the first time all pro Super Bowl 43 champion I, it, that moment in Super Bowl 43. I just I think while it wasn't a long run, the run that he had, what's crazy is you think about I mentioned he became a full time starter at the age of 29. That's old TJ Watt is right now. Like imagine yeah. if TJ just now started doing crazy. what TJ Watt was doing. It would be crazy if he ends up having the back half of the career like James Harrison had during his peak. Um, but yeah, for me, it's a yes as well. Obviously, you know, I, I feel like with me, some bias would play into it. So I'm glad that you two are in agreement with me as well. I, I, I'm right with you guys. Like, and I'm looking at the the other <coughs> modern era semi semifinalists. You know, Jared Allen is another edge rusher that that, that, mm-hmm. that comes to mind there. And, like, Jared Allen was a fun guy to watch. He was definitely talented, definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame someday, but not over James Harrison. He never he, he never took over entire seasons the way that that man did. Uh, and, and, again, did it on winning teams. Because, again, to me, you know, I, I think there is such – like, <coughs> I think in the analytics community, there's there's such a, a want to push away success in winning moments – from analysis of players and that should not happen and james harrison absolutely brought that so many times for the steelers i mean even even when he was old man james harrison if if he's not on the field against the chiefs they don't win that playoff yeah. game you know against alex smith when he when he's just you know what i'm gonna just come in and just wreck something at the end of this game there saves the game gets them to the afc championship game that that, that week um and again that was old man james harrison they would just bring him right. in just for those moments um, they, they got, you know, other defenders on, on this list, Dwight Freeney, Dwight Freeney, another guy, I think a great player didn't get to the height that James, that, that James Harrison got, you know, long, longer, I'd say, you know, as far as, as far as what he was able to do, but not, not the same, um, looking at other guys here, uh, you know, Rodney Harrison, eh, you know, again, great player, but not at the level of James Harrison, Robert Mathis, you know, same as Dwight Freeney, Julius Peppers, you know, uh, you know, other guys like that. I, I'm right with you, Alan and Zach. I think that James Harrison 
he ranks above, if not right with, all of those defenders. Two more things I want to say about James Harrison. The second one I think can can segue into the next point. One is I, I agree with Smitty. I think that the play in the Super Bowl itself is a real boost to his candidacy. You know, like why is Franco Harris the third stealer to get his jersey retired? Because he had the immaculate mm. reception and nobody else did. I mean, it's not like Franco Harris was that much more n- notable or necessary to the Steelers winning four Super Bowls than – I don't know, Terry Bradshaw or Mike Webster or Jack Lambert, right? But he, Mel Blunt, but he had that and those guys didn't, right? And I think that Super Bowl moment that the entire world saw, uh, I, I think that is a big boost to Harrison's candidacy. The second thing is, I think, look, I say this all the time. It is the Hall of Fame. It is not the Hall of Great. Like Jared Allen is the perfect example of a mm. very good football player that I know absolutely nothing about, nor do I care to. He has no story, no personality. There's no flair. There's no, there's nothing to him. If Jared Allen walked through any shopping center in America outside of Minneapolis, Minnesota tomorrow, he'd be completely unrecognized. I have no idea what the guy looks like. Like, like he's not famous. This is not. He's a good football player, great football player. Not fam- James Harrison, because of his backstory, and because of his personality, is a guy who you can't avoid talking about. Like, like Chris said, but like he's famous. He's 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 a significant guy because of that. And I think that matters. And I think it matters for Heinz Ward too. The the one thing I'll say about Jared Allen is that it makes it tough to ignore when he has 136 sacks. And you're absolutely right. Like the story isn't there, but his but like the raw numbers of that man sacked as many people as Ricky Jackson, almost as many people as John Randall, uh, like, you know, those type of guys. Uh, it, again, I think someday he deserves it, but I agree with He's you. That, like, yeah. I just wouldn't put him over Harris. I, I agree. I agree. That's, that's where we're on the same page there. All right. Let's talk about the one that, again, is tougher case to make in Heinz Ward, as I think that we're all going to end up agreeing here. But um, – Chris, we'll start with you again in terms of Heinz Ward. Just bring up some type of stuff with him here, though. Top 15 all-time in catches. You could argue the best blocking receiver in NFL history. Over 12,000 receiving yards, 85 touchdowns. Of course, won two rings with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Why or why not do you believe Heinz Ward should be a Hall of Famer? He should be a Hall of Famer. He should. Okay. And, and I'll explain why. If, if, these, if these guys were to stop right now, would they be Hall of Famers? DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, and guys who already did stop and are in the hall, Calvin Johnson, you know, guys, guys like that, they all have less receiving yards than Heinz Ward, like right now. And D Hop can pass Heinz Ward very soon because he's very, he's very mm-hmm. close. But those are guys that retired with less receiving yards. And if you're, if your knock on Heinz Ward is that he, you know, he's not high enough because you think he's 27th in receiving yards all time. Um, if he, that, if your knock on him is that he was, he's not high enough in that mark, okay. Fine, fair, but you know what? That guy also played with Cordell Stewart, with Tommy Maddox, with Kent Graham until about 2004 when young Ben Roethlisberger came came in, and he didn't even get the best passing version of Ben Roethlisberger. It'd be you know if Heinz Ward came along in the 20 like when Antonio Brown did, I, I bet mm-hmm. you that he might not have Antonio Brown numbers, but his numbers would be better than they were. Because he would have been able to mature with it with, with with Ben Roethlisberger and get a lot more, uh, be, you know, better situations for him to get big yards, and I think it would have been more conducive to him to get those big plays. But Heinz Ward, for his era, he's another guy that 
I have. I think, like you, like like we're, we're all about to agree here. I can ease more easily not talk about him than James Harrison, but I think if I'm talking about the 2000s of NFL football, Heinz Ward has to come up in a conversation. One for his Super Bowl 40, you know, MVP, uh, but also two for how he would just knock people out. I mean, he made the the Ravens feared him. Ed Reed, one of the greatest safeties to ever play, would like get so flustered. Not just for the hit that Heinz Ward laid him out for in 2007, but there would be so many games where like Ed Reed would like point at the ref and point at Heinz. He's like, he's doing this to me. He's doing this to me. You can't let him do this to me. And it would just. That is when – and Heinz Ward was just smiling and be like, hey, hey, hey. He was that terrorizing to, uh, de- to defensive players. Ray Lewis couldn't st- couldn't stand him. That on top of his playmaking ability, his timeliness for big plays, and his leadership because when, when he came to the Steelers in the late 90s, there was no leader in the receiver room. It was, it was you know, Yancey Thigpen had just left. They were, they were struggling. Charles Johnson wasn't the answer. And then when Plaxico Burris came in, you know, he was a boost – but Plaxico wasn't a leader, and Heinz Ward could be that leader. He's the one that helped Antoine Randall get better, you know, and he helped guys over so many years get better. And he set the floor for when the Young Money crew came in; they kind of took it over for themselves. But there was a standard set by Heinz Ward, and that was so important, you know. Beyond just the Steelers, I think Heinz Ward, with his numbers, with his clutch moments, with his personality, he's another guy I would consider for the Hall of Fame. But as we are saying. He would go after James Harrison, in my opinion, because James Harrison was a defensive player of the year. Heinz Ward was never in the conversation to get offensive player of the year or anything like that. I, I don't think he even has – does he have a first-team All-Pro under his belt? I don't think he does. He has he has yeah, four yeah. Pro Bowls. He's never even second-team All-Pro. So I think that that's part of the, uh, the argument there. Yeah, I think that's the big problem with Heinz Ward, right, is that, like, when we talk – the reason Harrison is easy for me is his dominance at his position – compared to the rest of the league during the peak of his career. Like, I, 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 it, it would be a stretch to me to say that there was any, any time in his career that Heinz Ward was a top five wide receiver in the NFL. Like, it, it maybe top ten, but probably not top five. Like, there were be- – and, and the big problem is that he's coming up with right now is, like, while his compared to history receiving totals are fine for, for a Hall of Fame wide receiver – there are seven or eight guys yeah. in line with him right now with yeah. better numbers that were better players than Tory him Holt. statistically in the league at the same time that he was. Like, I have a hard time putting Hines Ward over Torrey Holt, over Anquan Bolden, over Andre Johnson, who I, I, I did get in. But, like, the, those those guys, like, it's hard. Like, uh, to me, Hines Ward is a guy that's going to have to wait a while because – He's it's gonna be like it's gonna be hard to value the intangible over the tangible, I think is, is always mm-hmm. hard. And he didn't have that peak to his career where he was one of the best wide receivers in the game, never an all pro, uh, never led the league in receiving yards. Like the yeah, and he didn't play for a great offense like some of those those guys did. And he certainly brought a lot to the table in terms of you know, the way he played the position, uh, changed the league rule book. Um, like that's a big deal, but I, I think it's hard to get that stuff in front of guys who played at the same time with better statistical contributions. And the thing that worries me about Heinz Ward is, okay, so if I think, well, he's just going to have to wait his turn, he's going to have to wait for Bolden and Holt and Steve Smith and, and all these other guys to come through. Well, I mean, what, like, 
what happens when the next like because it's it's not like it's any less of a passing league right now. Like what happens when we get to Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams and uh, AJ mm. Brown and like does there become that sweet spot where there's a good place for him to get in? I don't know. Like I think if you just gave me like Heinz Ward, yes or no, is he a Hall of Famer? I would say yes. But I think if I'm in that room and I have to pick between the people that are on this list, I would have mm. a hard time picking Heinz Ward as one of my guys that I wanted in. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I wanted to add to this too. I really liked how Tomlin put it yesterday in terms of saying he was a football player first and a wide receiver second. Because mm. if you just eliminate the fact that he played receiver and just think about what he brought as a football player. <clears throat> I mean, if you think about, again, I think he's the best blocking receiver of all time. I'm not trying to relate it one-to-one to the conversation people have about Devin Hester. You know, he should be in because he did one thing the best out of anybody else. But if Heinz Ward is the absolute best at one thing, is that enough to put him in just based off that? Um, I think that's an interesting conversation and part to have brought into the conversation. Um, yes, I don't re- – really tough one for me. Uh, it's also just like 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 you guys are talking about. We're talking about how many great receivers are there in general? Like it's just it's yeah. just a very tough position to make it. The, the you know the guy who I always wore the jersey of that was never a Steeler, but I always had it because obvious reasons. Chris Carter. It took Chris Carter five <laughs> years of Hall of Fame eligibility to make it yeah. into make it into the Hall. And there was like a, a long time growing up, like like as a kid when I Randy Moss was emerging before like Randy Moss and Larry Fitzgerald and Terrell Owens and those guys came around. There was a legitimate conversation that maybe Chris Carter was the second best wide receiver in NFL history behind. Jerry Rice like that used to be a debate that people had like where did Chris Carter rank now so many receivers have flooded the NFL since then and now he's like not even in the top 10 top 15 but I think that when you look at like guys like that 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 guy had to wait five years of Hall of Fame eligibility before he could get in so if we're comparing people Heinz Ward doesn't even get to that level and that's where I think that it's just it's just very tough to do it at you know for the receiver position you know so I'm with you guys. This is a harder thing. I, I think that someday Hines should get his flowers. He should get in there. Um, I think, but I think it might end up being a thing where like Alan and I are dead and Smitty's somewhere like telling all the old kids around the campfire <laughs> about, oh, that's my favorite rival theater of all time, guys. Well, you know what? I think that is actually one of the things that like the veterans committee is there for mm-hmm. is to pick up those guys that maybe meant something more to the players on the field than they did to maybe the statistical record books or to the public at large. And, and I really do think that if you, I think Heinz Ward would have a better chance of being a hall of famer if it was voted on by players than by the media. Like, I think mm-hmm. he was a guy that had the respect of his fellow competitors because of his toughness and the way he played the game. And I do think that's kind of like what that veterans committee is sort of exactly designed for. So I could see that being the way forward for Heinz Ward. And, and I'll say this too, like I've talked to a lot of people around the NFL about this and like Heinz was never really very shy about putting his face in front of the camera when he was a player. He wasn't like, you know, above, uh, you know, some self-promotion or, or you know, that kind of thing. I think Heinz probably – uh, would would do well to find himself uh, in front of a camera on NFL Sunday somewhere to kind of keep himself in that con- – like, I, I think Steve Smith 
is doing a very good job of keeping his name relevant in NFL circles by what he's doing right now on television. Mm-hmm. And I know Hines was a coach in the XFL. That's very clearly not the same thing. I think he would do pretty well for his case to uh, get in front of people's faces on a more regular basis. Remember, he used to do the Sunday night show yeah. with like Tony Dungy. Was like, like that was where I thought that, oh, he was going to, he was going to, he was going to be in there, but he hasn't been like, like that after that stint, he hasn't gotten another chance like that. And I don't know if that's because he doesn't want to do TV, if he prefer to be a coach, you know, but I agree with you. That's part of it is he needs to, it would help him to stay in the conversation. But now the only people who talk about Heinz Ward right now are people like Steelers fans and people like us who got to bring up a podcast. Like, you know, that guy was pretty tough for, for his era and he could probably play in every era in the, in the NFL. But, um, but yeah, I do think part of it is, you know, it would help for for him to be out there more. I mean, we're talking, let's circle the conversation back, right? We're talking all week about the reaction to Deontay Johnson's, um, you know, <laughs> miss, mishap against the Bengals, man, who's, Whose opinion would you care to hear about more than Heinz Ward about that? Right, like, like I put a put a camera and a microphone in front of that guy and tell me what you think about the effort that Deontay Johnson was playing with on Sunday because you never saw anything like that from Heinz Ward. You, you can say that for sure. Or like one of uh, our audience members suggested, he takes over for Frisman Jackson next season. Hey, the people, I mean, call look. Him. People have been calling that for that for years, man. I think I think the like fans call for former players to coach for the team is generally like a, a not very smart or realistic thought. But like we had it's a very a honest call. conversation about Fresno Jackson the other day, and now I think it's likely that that the team is going to move on from him as wide receivers coach. So, I mean, look, offensive court was was Hines a head coach or an OC in the XFL. This is a head coach, right? Um, I'm not sure. Let me check real quick. I think he was a head coach. Rod Woodson was a head coach. I think I think Heinz Ward was too. Yeah, he was one of the eight head XFL coach. head coaches for the yeah, yeah San Antonio, San Antonio Brahmas. XFL head coach to NFL wide receivers coach is not an unrealistic jump here. Like I think like this, like this one, like this is not wise and Ben, the offensive coordinator. Like this one feels a little bit more like a realistic possibility than maybe some of the other things that fans have thrown out there in terms of former players coaching for the team. And he was an intern in 2017 and assistant for the Jets for the in 2019 yeah. and 2020. Um, uh, Florida Atlantic wide receivers coach in 2021. But this that might be my pause there is how did he not stick anywhere? Because that's a, that's a guy who's been a Super Bowl MVP. That's a guy who's been an NFL player for, for – and, like, he was a leader of the locker room. Like, Heinz Ward was very much, like, the guy that everyone galvanized a lot of people. And you think, like, I'd want that as, as my coach. Uh, so not to say, like, there's anything malicious there or anything terrible there, but I think that there, there's some reason to call into question why he wouldn't have been in more conversations – uh, to get more or, or stuck with a job longer. And heck again, he was, yeah. he was with the Steelers in 2017 as an, as, as an intern, you, you think that there'd be something there that they'd want to retain that. So I don't know. Some big questions. Mm-hmm. I agree. Interesting conversation. I'll be curious what uh, the people in the audience think about that. Of course, leave us your comments. Let us know how you feel about both James Harrison and Heinz Ward's candidacies. And you know what? Let us know how you feel about the idea of Heinz Ward becoming the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver coach as well. We want to hear all of it in the comments. Uh, Chris, tell the people where they can find you. You can always find me at Carter Critiques on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and every 
single platform out there. Uh, you can find you can find my written work at, Pit, at the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, post-gazette.com. Find my podcast, the North Shore Drive podcast with Post Gazette Sports, as well as the Locked On Steelers podcast. On um, the same way you find all podcasts, your favorite podcasting apps, and on YouTube. I feel like you just gotta like roll out a scroll and just. Read I have a CBS everything. receipt. Yes. Where you Yeah. <laughs> Alan, tell the people where they can find you. At a Saunders underscore PGH on X, PGH Steelers Now is the site's account, SteelersNow.com. It's where you get all the good stuff from me, Nick Farabaugh, Derek Bell, the whole rest of the team, and uh, Smitty's uh, just poor posting of this this <laughs> podcast is also there every day. Uh, so, you know, I need you guys to check up on him, apparently, and make sure he does a good job, because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah, go there and read the words so I can get paid. Not as not quite as many things listed there, Alan. But um, yeah, like, subscribe, hit that notification bell here. Leave us a comment down below. Like I said, if you're listening somewhere else, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, any of your favorite platforms, leave us a five star review over there. Thanks again to Chris Carter for joining us. For Chris, Alan, and myself, thanks for jumping in. Take another ride on the Steelers afternoon drive. 